Well, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. My name is David, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, some of those questions can feel a little personal, right? Um, just want you to know that gluten is a real thing, um, in case you were curious about that one. You probably should do your taxes every single year. That's kind of mandatory. Um, but if you've missed the last couple of weeks, we're in a series called Asking for a Friend. You know, we all have those questions in life where, you know, we, we, we think we maybe should know that answer by now. And so what we say is, hey, I'm, I'm asking this for a friend. And if you've missed any of the, the series, I'd encourage you to check out our podcast, go on our website, check out our podcast, and, and get caught up, because I think each one of those conversations has been, has been really, really helpful. We've asked questions like, can you follow God and, and still have doubt? Questions like, how far gone is too far gone? Questions like, does God even have an answer for my addiction? And if you haven't heard it yet in this series, I want to be clear that we desire for Bridgewater to be a place where it's okay to have questions. We desire for this to be a place where it's safe to ask those questions, and, and I know that church has not always been that. I would have guessed that there might even be some here in this room who you had a question, you had a doubt, you had something that you were struggling with, and you asked that question or you shared that doubt in church, and you felt judged, and you felt shamed, and you felt like that you were wrong for having that question. And if that's you, I first want to say, I'm so sorry. That is not the spirit of Jesus. And I second want to say that this is a place where we are allowed to ask questions. It's okay. God's not afraid of our questions. The Bible is not afraid of our questions. There are answers for them. And your small group would be a really great place, maybe if you're wrestling with something. And if you're not a part of one yet, we'd love to help you get connected to a small group. Well, this week, our friend has one final question for us, and it's this. Should I watch this? Should I watch this? We're going to be talking about entertainment and what it looks like to follow Jesus in a world that's really obsessed with media and with distraction and entertainment. Have you ever been watching a movie or a show, and it's really great, and all of a sudden, it kind of takes a turn, and you're sitting there like, I'm not sure I should be watching this. I don't know if this is appropriate. Maybe you feel like you're okay and you're fine, but if maybe your mother or your kids or your pastor was in the room, you might feel a little bit differently about whether or not you should be watching that movie. I'm sure this has never happened to you, uh, but one time when Joanna and I were dating, we were at her parents' house and we were scrolling through Netflix trying to find a movie to watch, um, and I saw a movie that I'd seen maybe half an hour of um, at somebody else's house. It was one of those movies with uh, Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson, and if you've seen any of their movies, you know, they can be pretty funny, but they can also get a little bit inappropriate, um, and so I'd only seen half an hour of this movie, and what I remembered of it, I was like, ooh, that was a funny movie. We should watch that, and so we start watching this movie that, again, I've only seen half an hour of. Um, come to find out, the half an hour that I had seen was apparently the cleanest half an hour of the entire movie. And so it wasn't long into this movie where I'm sitting there as the boyfriend who has recommended this movie, and I'm feeling incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> and remember, I'm the boyfriend, so there's already a level of kind of interrogation going on there. Um, I'd make it matters worse, I was studying to be a pastor, and Joanna's father is a pastor, um, and so I was just sitting there feeling really, really awkward, and all of a sudden, I wish I had asked this question, should I watch this movie, and actually interrogated the movie a little bit more before I just hit play on that. But this question, I think, is more than just not embarrassing yourself in front of your future in-laws. 
I think this question really can help us decide, make wider, wiser decisions about the kind of things that we should be allowing into our lives. And notice the question isn't, can I watch this, but should I watch this? Those are, those are two fundamentally different questions. It's not about, is it legal? It's not about, can I survive this? But is this something I should really be allowing into my life? Here's how Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is construction, constructive. In other words, there's plenty of things that you have the right to do that can destroy your life. There's plenty of things that you and I are totally allowed to do legally. Maybe we can't even find a verse in scripture that specifically calls it sin, but it might not be constructive. It might not be helpful. It might not be beneficial for us. And this morning, what we want to do is we want to apply that to the world of entertainment, the world of entertainment. We live in a world that's just come accustomed to having something to watch every minute of every single day. There's literally more TVs, TV shows, more movies, more YouTube videos than you could possibly consume in your entire lifetime. We're just so used to it being everywhere, all around us. And I have to admit that I'm a, a little bit of a weirdo when it comes to the world of TV, because growing up, we never, ever had cable. Um, all we ever had was, uh, you know, the TV, an actual TV with a VCR player. In fact, I can remember when our VCR player broke, and we had to go get a new one, and we got a VCR player that also had a DVD player. Uh, man, we had, we had cutting-edge technology now. We were, we were pretty cool. But so while we didn't have TV in the house, we did watch plenty of movies. And today we're just constantly bombarded with movies, with advertisements, with videos, with stuff on our Instagram and Facebook, all over the place. It's just constantly bombarding us all the time. And while not all of that is bad, I don't think it takes long before we find ourselves watching something that we never really intended to be looking at. Find ourselves looking at something that we probably shouldn't be looking at. If you have kids, you, I, ho- I hope you're even more aware of this, right? Even some of the content or even the advertisement on so-called kids shows can be a little bit disturbing at times. And so what are we to do as followers of Jesus? What are we to watch? Well, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be this morning. And while the Bible doesn't have an approved list of TV shows that you can watch, it does give us direction on the types of things that we should be allowing into our lives, kind of things that we should be consuming. Well, the Bible doesn't, uh, uh, when the Bible doesn't speak on a specific topic, what we need to do is we need to look at Scripture and see if there are any commands, are there any prohibitions, are there any examples, are there any patterns that kind of speak to what we're talking about. And like every other area of life, God does not leave us directionless in this area. He gives us advice, He gives us help. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 3, but among you, and he's speaking to followers of Jesus here. So among followers of Jesus, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather 
thanksgiving. So what Paul is saying here is that there shouldn't even be a hint of sin in our lives because we are now followers of Jesus. If Jesus has changed my life, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality, which that word that he uses there is kind of like a, a junk drawer for any kind of sexual sin. There shouldn't be any kind of impurity, greed, obscenity, any of those things. Those are just out of place for someone who is a follower of Jesus. And I want you to notice he doesn't just say, don't take these sins to the extreme. What he says is, don't let there even be a hint of those things in your life. And I know for me, I'm, I'm often tempted to say, you know, it's not that bad. I'm, I'm not as bad as the person next to me, or I'm better than I used to be, right? But what Paul is saying is that that's the wrong standard. It's not about the person next to you. It's not about who you used to be. The standard is what the, the freedom that Christ has called us to, the freedom over those things that, that Christ can give to us. And so I think that leads us to our first question that we need to ask this morning. It's this, what are my entertainment choices building in my life? What are the things that I'm watching? What kind of desires are they producing? What kind of thought patterns are they leading me into? What kind of habits are they building into my life? What are the things that I'm watching, the stuff that I'm consuming, what is it building into my life? Maybe another way you could phrase this is this way. Is what I'm watching helping or hurting me? Is it helping me follow Jesus better? Is it is it helping me become the person that Jesus wants me to be, or is it moving me towards the list that Paul gave? Immorality, impurity, greed. Which way is what I'm watching? Is it helping me, or is it hurting me? There are a lot of things to watch out there that are going to lead you down a path that you do not want to go. There's plenty of stuff out there that just is not helpful if you are trying to follow Jesus. If you don't even want a hint of sin in your life, it's just not helpful. Our culture will try to tell you that entertainment is simply entertainment. That's all that it is. But the reality is that entertainment has the power to change how we think and how we act. Because here's what's true. You become what you fill your mind with. You become what you fill your mind with. The things that you are constantly consuming, the things that you think about all the time, those are the types of things you become in the types of things that you will do. And so if we are constantly filling our minds with suggestive material, coarse, joking, inappropriate movies, we shouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden we find ourselves as someone who's got a little bit more than a hint of sin in our lives. And I think it's easy for us when we talk about this to immediately jump to, to movies that maybe they're rated R for, for sex or for nudity, but I think it's really far more than that. I think it extends beyond that. If respecting your husband is something that you're currently struggling with, does a show where the husband is talked about like an idiot, constantly made fun of, is that going to help you honor your husband? Is that going to help you respect your husband? If gossip and being caught up in drama all the time is something that you're currently struggling with, does a show literally titled drama or in the genre of, of drama, is that really going to be helpful to you? Is that going to help you speak well of other people? you struggle with fear or anxiety, do movies filled with horror, darkness, frankly just demonic activity, is that going to help you live a life of peace or a life of anxiety? 
If crude humor or rudeness or being vulgar is a struggle for you, does a, a show that's just littered with profanity and crudeness, is that going to help you talk well to others? If sexual purity is a struggle for you, does a show that celebrates sex apart from how God designed it, even if it doesn't explicitly show it, is that going to be helpful to you? Is that going to help you honor your spouse? Is that going to help you lead you into thoughts that are helpful? I think this list could go on. The question for us shouldn't be, can I get away with this? The question should be, should I watch this? What is this going to build into my life? What is this going to fill my mind with? What direction is this going to take me? And I think it can be a really subtle battle. We don't think it's affecting us that much, but before we know it, we find ourselves in sinful patterns of of thought or of action because of the types of things that we are consuming. And so I think that leads us to really a follow-up question, which is this. What am I tolerating in my life that I shouldn't be? What am I allowing in my life right now that I probably should not be Allowing? Am I growing tolerant of a hint of sin in my life? Maybe another way to phrase this would be this Am I growing numb to things that I should be very sensitive to? Have I just become accustomed to things that really should disrupt me, that should make my soul unsettled? Have I just become tolerant of those things? Am I okay with them in my life? If we find ourselves tolerating sin, We're allowing more than just a hint of sin in our life. And Paul is saying we need to get rid of it. Maybe as we talk about not having a hint of sin in our lives, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, man, that that feels impossible. Like, am I supposed to be perfect? Like, uh, this feels unfair, David. Well, notice that the question is, what am I tolerating? Not what am I struggling with? Those are two very, very different things, aren't they? When we're struggling with something, that means we're actually fighting it. That means we're working to remove it from our lives. If we're tolerating it, what have we done? We've given up. We don't care anymore. We're just okay with the presence of that sin in our lives. And so that's why it's, what am I tolerating in my life? I think this question is so important because sin has a way of taking us farther than we ever thought we would go. And keeping us longer than we ever, ever wanted to stay. I think that subtle and slow drift towards darkness is really a real danger for each and every one of us that we need to be aware of. And so I think we need to ask ourselves some questions. Is there sexual immorality or impurity that I'm tolerating in my life? Are there things on my Instagram feed that I would not want other people to see? Fathers, are there things on your Instagram feed that you wouldn't want your son to see? Are you watching movies that send, us, that send you down a mental path that's just not helpful? Is there greed or is there jealousy in my heart that, you know what, I'm just tolerating. I'm okay with that presence there. Do I think that I've, I've got to have what other people have? I, I think I've got to see what, I've got to have what I saw on that commercial or what I saw on my, my, my friend's Instagram feed. I've got to have that. Do I find that bubbling up in my heart? Is there a level of joking and, and humor that's just coarse and that's rude that, that you would maybe punish your kids for, but when you're with your buddies, all of a sudden, it seems okay? Is there maybe a thought life that you're content to live with, but... 
You'd be horrified if those thoughts were maybe put on the screen this morning. I think we all need to ask ourselves, what am I tolerating in my life? Is there anything in my life that I'm just tolerating that I need to remove? Maybe as, as we've been talking about this again, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, what's the big deal? Like, why does this matter this much? I, I can handle this. I can watch what I want. It doesn't really affect me that much. Well, I want to turn to a, another passage in Scripture, it's, uh, Proverbs chapter 7. And I want to look at a young man who's, whose story, I think, um, represents for us where that line of thinking can take us, where it can lead. Proverbs chapter 7, starting in verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth that had no sense. He was going down to the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night was setting in. And at first, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right? Like, he's just going for a walk. Why is that a big deal? But I think the author is making clear here that this is more than just an evening stroll. What does he say? Toward her corner, walking in the direction of her house. And notice when this is happening. This is happening at twilight. So as darkness is settling in. You can see that the author is trying to imply that this young man is really intentionally wandering in a direction where he was hoping he might find something. You could say that really he was kind of hoping to just kind of stumble upon sin. He was hoping that he would find it there. There's a series of small and subtle choices that don't seem like a big deal in the moment, but they end up leading you somewhere. Like, what's the big deal about going for a walk? It's just a walk. Why is a walk a problem? It's where he is going. It's the direction he is heading that is the problem. I think if we were going to tell this story today, it might look something like this. I saw a young man lacking sense. He got out his phone late at night while he was tired and while he was lonely. Everyone else was asleep in the house and he just hopped on social media just just to scroll for a while. Let's keep reading in our story and see where this young man ends up in verse 10. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. Surprise, surprise. Temptation showed up right where he was looking for it. It always does, doesn't it? Sin never fails to show up and tempt us, especially when we're kind of secretly hoping somewhere deep down that that's exactly what's going to happen, and we go in a direction where we hope we might just find it. This young woman, she shows up, and she tries to make the man, young man feel special, tries to make him feel important, and next she's going to help him, or try to make him think that he can get away with it, down in verse 19. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. How convenient. Her husband's not home. He's gone away. How convenient. Isn't that always how it is with temptation? 
How convenient all the time. It always tempts us that way. But look at what happens in verse 22. All at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. All of a sudden, Sin has, has its hooks in him, and he has had no idea it was going to cost him his life. What started out as an evening stroll ended up costing him everything. What started as a stroll through Instagram turned into an addiction to pornography. What started as a movie that seemed sketchy, but everyone else was watching it, so why is it that big of a deal, turned into fantasies that led to a ruined marriage. What started as a, as a harmless romance novel led to a texting conversation that led to a destroyed marriage. What started as a funny comedy became a crass way of commuting that just destroyed the safety in a relationship. And this is why Paul in Ephesians tells us that there should not even be a hint of sin in our lives because it always takes us farther than we want to go and keeps us longer than we ever wanted to stay. It seems like it's not that big of a deal in the moment, but where does it lead us every single time? It doesn't lead us where we want to be. Going back to Ephesians chapter 5, Paul goes on to, to say this, In verse 8, for you, again, he's talking to followers of Jesus here. That's who he's talking to. We're once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Jumping down to verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So Paul is saying here, you who are followers of Jesus, you used to live in darkness. You used to be like that young man who was looking for sin. But now you are a follower of Jesus. If you're in here this morning, you are changed. You are different. And those things, they have no place in your life anymore. Paul says that we should have nothing to do with darkness, but instead we should expose the darkness. Instead of getting kind of cozy up to it, trying to get as close as we can to the line, he says, no, 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 no. You need to expose those things. Find the biggest light you can and shine it right on there. Don't ask, is it really that bad? Can I get away with it? But is it helpful? What kind of things is it going to build into my life? As we talk about entertainment, I think living in the light could look like a couple things. It could look like not scrolling to pages of women who aren't your wife and men who aren't your husband, but instead unfollowing them. It could look like not scrolling to pages where you're going to stumble on those images that you know that you shouldn't be looking at, but instead just deleting the app, getting rid of that source of temptation. It looked like not watching shows that lead us to unhealthy places in our minds, just getting rid of the streaming service, maybe even selling our TV if we need to. Not reading articles or watching news stations that drive us to places of fear, but instead getting into God's word and seeing how he is the one who's in control. 
Maybe that sounds a little extreme for you, but I want to look at some words of Jesus that I think are really, really helpful for us in Matthew chapter 5. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cast it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus sounds pretty extreme there, right? He's exaggerating because he's trying to make a point. And here's what I think his point is. It's better for you to painfully cut things out of your life now than to deal with the consequences of them later. It's better now to remove that thing from your life that's just not going to help you than have to deal with the consequences of it down the road. I think you could say it this way. You can live without it, but you might not live with it. You can live without following that person on social media, but it might just destroy your life. You can live without watching that show that's just not helpful, but if you keep watching it, it just might ruin your life. You can live without it, but you might not live with it. You'll be surprised how easily, how quickly it can wreck your life. It might sound extreme, and that's because it is. Sin is that serious. And it can always, it always, every single time, it takes us farther than we ever wanted to go. And it keeps us longer than we ever wanted to stay. So why risk it? Why tolerate it in our lives? Well, this morning, I want to take a slight turn here, and I want to apply what we've been talking about here to anyone who's struggling with or who's engaging with pornography. I think it's a very important conversation that we need to have this morning. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, but if you're honest, you struggle with sexual sin, with sexual temptation, and with watching pornography. Or maybe you're here and you're engaged with porn, but you don't really see that it's that big of a deal. It doesn't seem like it's that bad. Well, not only does Scripture talk about how it ultimately is going to lead to death, as we've been talking already here this morning, but increasingly science is actually showing that, that pornography is something that does not lead to joy and does not lead to happiness and does not lead to the satisfaction that it promises. There's a book called Your Brain on Porn and it it lays out some of the results of pornography and I want to just walk through a few of those with us this morning. Porn leads you to your brain fatiguing and releasing dopamine, which is that feel-good chemical and what that means is, is that every pleasure in your life starts to become dulled. Food, laughter, friendships, relationships, whatever it is in life, all of a sudden your ability to even enjoy those things because of your addiction to pornography, it actually makes everything else in life less enjoyable. Beyond that, you become overly sensitive to any sort of sexual trigger. Anything in life can all of a sudden trigger you when it was not intended to be a trigger at all. You begin to have a weakened willpower. Your discernment is reduced. You don't, you don't really know how to respond to desires in a normal and in a healthy way. Porn reduces sexual satisfaction. Researchers have actually found a direct correlation between the amount of porn that's consumed and the actual satisfaction from real sexual encounters. Porn actually makes you enjoy sex less, despite what it says, Right? 
Porn disconnects you from real relationships, not just relationships with the opposite sex, but really any types of relationships because you, it leads you to desire satisfaction without any sort of emotional connection. And finally, porn can lower your view of the opposite sex, especially of women, and make them only sexual objects instead of human beings who have a soul and who are created in the image of God. I mean, we wonder why women are treated the way that they are in our society. We shouldn't really be surprised when how they're viewed in entertainment, especially in pornography, is just so low, just treated as objects to be manipulated for pleasure. As much as media and cultures want to just kind of celebrate everything being over-sexualized, the Bible and increasingly science are telling us that, that pornography and, and that obsession with sex, it builds destructive patterns into our lives that robs us of our joy and it robs us of our satisfaction. And so if you are here this morning and you're trying to convince yourself that your porn isn't that big of a problem, that it's not that big of a deal, that it doesn't hurt anyone, I want you to see that both the Bible and science would wholeheartedly disagree it does not bring the satisfaction that it prom- that promises, and it is a problem that will hurt you, and it will hurt the people around you more than you can probably imagine right now. Maybe you hear all those things, and you think to yourself, you know, I know it's wrong, but I've tried before to get out, and nothing, nothing ever seems to work. I've tried what they tell you to do in church. I've done all those things, but I found myself right back where I started. That's you this morning. I want to go back to what Matt said last week as we were talking about addiction. Maybe you've tried religion, but you haven't tried Jesus. Maybe you've tried some behavior modification mixed with some guilt and mixed with some shame, but you haven't actually laid your sin at the feet of Jesus and surrendered your life to him and realized that he is the only one that can help you clean up your act. Maybe you haven't actually come to him. All those behavior changes, they might help a little bit. Until you get to the root of the problem, you're going to find yourself in that cycle again and again and again. But the good news for all of us this morning is that regardless of how you came in here today, whether it's trapped in some sexual sin, whether it's trapped in something else, it doesn't matter. The invitation of Jesus is to come exactly as you are and find that he loves you right where you are. Listen to me this morning. He doesn't love a future version of you. He doesn't love a cleaned up version of you. He doesn't love an addiction-free version of you, though he does want those things for you. Jesus loves you exactly where you are. It's not, I've got to clean up my act, and then maybe I can come to Jesus. If you're thinking that way, you've got it all backwards. He is the only one who can help us. He is the only one who can make us clean. So if you're sitting here this morning and thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm not good enough. My life's too messed up. God could never change a person like me. You've got it all backwards. Jesus loves you right where you are and he wants to change your life. He died so that you could be freed from that sin that you are wrestling with. He loves you right there. So whether it's for the first time or the millionth time, the invitation of Jesus is to come to him, to give him your sin so you can find that freedom that he died to purchase for you. Wherever you're at today, 
I think there's a few practical things that all of us can do to, to, take, to take steps towards the freedom that Jesus has for us. First would be this. Stop sin at the first hint. Stop sin at that first hint. Don't let it get to the point of, okay, now it's really obvious and it's really bad and now I need to get it out of my life. But when it, at that first hint, at that first uh, clue that it might not be a good idea, just turn around and go in the other direction. Don't ask, can I get away with this? Is this really that bad? Ask, is this going to help me? Is this going to be building things into my life that are helpful to me in my walk with Jesus? Secondly, would be cut out entertainment that's pulling you away from Jesus. And that might look different for different people here this morning. Maybe that's deleting that app on your phone that's just, it's just not helpful. Maybe it's stop watching that TV show that's just leading you down unhealthy pathways. Maybe it's selling your TV. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but we all need to take steps to cut out things from our life that are just not helping us as we try to pursue Jesus. Third, I think if you're here this morning and you're struggling with pornography, you need to get help for that fight. That is not a fight that you should be having on your own. You need other people in your life who are going to help you. And so my encouragement to you would be to make sure if you're not already to get into a small group where you can have the kind of relationships where the men or the women in that group can come around you and be helpful to you. I encourage you to get some accountability software on your device to get some people in your life who are going to ask you those hard questions and who are going to push past that first answer of, oh, I'm doing fine and say, are, are you really? And maybe for some of us this morning, that's going to mean taking some radical steps I knew a guy who was, who was struggling with this, and he said, you know what, I need to get rid of this in my life. He was a father of some young kids, and he said, this, this will wreck their lives if it, and my life if I do not get a handle on this. And so he did a couple things, one of which was he got rid of his smartphone and had a dumb phone for a while. You know, those ones that can only text and call, like that's it. He got one of those for a while, as he, so he, just to kind of remove temptation from his life. And then he um, paid a good amount of money to a ministry called Pure Life Ministries that is designed specifically for those who are struggling with sexual sin to get uh, one-on-one counseling for him and his wife. It was this intensive, like, 12-week counseling that they do because he said, you know what, this is going to wreck my life if I don't get a handle on this. And so it was worth every single bit of that for him. There are a lot of resources out there to help you in this fight. Don't do it alone. And then last, I would encourage all of us to check out our, our research our, excuse me, our resource page on our website for this series, bridgewater.church slash asking. We've got some resources really for every single one of the, the, the topics that we've covered over the last five weeks. And, and this week, we've got some books, we've got some websites and, and things like that to help anyone who's struggling with sexual temptation and parents. There's also a website that's a resource on there to help you just kind of navigate, how do I deal with my kids having a smartphone and having a smart TV and, and gaming systems and, and all those questions that you might be like, I'm not good with technology, I don't know how to be helpful in those areas. It's specifically designed to help with that. So there's just a bunch of resources on there that we'd encourage you to check out. So this morning, as, as we close, if we can be a help to you, please let us know. We want to be here for you. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Let me pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for how it's brutally honest. 
Sometimes it it gets into topics that make us just a little bit uncomfortable, but every single time it gives us life and it gives us hope that no matter what we've struggled with, no matter where we came from, we can actually experience freedom. We can have life with you because of what Jesus has done for us. Father, we thank you that Jesus was willing to pay the price for my sin, for our sin. That he looked at me and saw every single thing I would ever do that was wrong, that was against him, all the ways I would hurt his heart, and he still said, I want that one in my family. And I'm going to pay the price with my life so that he can be there. Thank you so much for the love of Jesus that not only makes us part of your family, but gives us freedom, true freedom and joy and hope and peace in life. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.